everybody. Welcome to Music Wise Podcast. I am your host, Rona Bennett. I'm in America, and I am joined by my co-host, Bindu Duknak from Amsterdam. This is a foreign exchange, as you know. Uh, Bindu is an entertainment lawyer slash intellectual property attorney, as well as a musician. I am an artist and a personal power life coach, and she and I endeavored to write a book a few years ago that's finally coming out. (laughs) And the reason it's taken so long is because we are doing a comprehensive approach to how you can be successful in the music industry. Uh, It is a breakdown of the key players in the industry, what their roles are, how people get paid. We talk about licensing. We talk about um, contracts. We talk about the mental health emotional health, physical health, spiritual health even, of the artist, the creative. Um, We want to make sure that we're touching every point that we deal with in this industry, and we hope that you get much, much from it. It's going to be your music industry mentor. How about that? So today... Uh, We're going to be talking to an incredibly special guest. Uh, We've been honored and privileged to have some really, really um, remarkable people on MusicWise Podcast who share their veteran knowledge to bless us with their wisdom, if you will, and to tell us what it's been like from their point of view, through their eyes. Um, I'm going to let Bindu take over from here. Bindu? It is our great delight to welcome today's guest, the iconic Miss Crystal Waters. Welcome, Crystal. Yay, thank you for having me. (laughs) Crystal may not need an introduction as she is a household name for like many of us. Rona and ourselves, for example, we've we've grown up with your music. You were part of our life. I grew up with my music. Crystal bursted into the music industry scene with the smash hit Gypsy Woman in 1991. Her follow-up albums contained hits like 100% and Making Happy. Crystal is a house pioneer and today we'll be talking with Crystal about her journey in the music industry. All right, so let's dig into this. Thanks for having me. Well, how can I help you? (laughs) Okay, she said, I'm here to be of service. Okay, we're going to jump right on in. So you have been in the music industry for over 30 years, I'm thinking. Well, at least 30. So congratulations on that. Um, How would you say that the industry has changed since you started? Ooh, how has it changed? It's changed several times. Well, especially in the dance, dance music category. I mean, we went from having, you know... Coming from the underground, we went from that to having major labels behind us and getting the music out to basically going back to the underground and, you know, still thriving there. But it it changed everybody and everybody's, you know, goals and perspectives. Um, I still think we're still facing some of the problems, especially with females not being in the majority, making the majority of decisions and things like that. Um, So some things have changed. The money has changed, but uh, folks who are the powers that be seem to still be the same. Yeah. So since you brought up uh, women, 
not, you know, being in power positions. Why do you think that is? And do you think like, for example, with me, um, we've noticed, you know, my group mates and I have noticed that men can age a bit better in the music industry, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you will. And women don't age as well. I think it's shifting just because of all of the women empowerment movements that are happening. And, you know, we're stepping to the forefront and, and uh, being more prominent. But why do you think we're not in more power positions, especially now? And then do you think that's true, that men age a bit better? And why is that? Um, well, <laughs> so much wants to come out of my mouth. I have to, <laughs> I have to get it all organized. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, I agree with you, but the men age better, meaning that um, the industry seems to allow them to get older and still have radio airplay and still see them as sex symbols. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, women, we, it, it happens with actresses as well in the entertainment business after a certain age. Um, Women don't seem to be accepted. Like a woman, women over thirty, especially over forty, you barely get any radio airplay here in America. You may have one or two people. I mean, even Jennifer Lopez has trouble <laughs> getting her songs on major radio airplay. Um, as something about the culture is based in the culture, it's not even just in the music community. Um, for the aging part. As for the um, industry part, I think that's changing. There, there are a few more women in charge, um, but who knows where their minds are and what's important um, to them. But, you know, it's the reason why I think a lot of us are starting our own labels, being our own bosses, um, starting our own businesses, because there's only so far you can go. At, you know, you can't keep asking for something and they're not going to give it to you. So you have to do it yourself. I heard that. I heard that. So... Okay, you've worked around a lot of uh, legendary artists. Uh, what would, do, you, do you notice that there's one particular trait that all legendary artists seem to have, or most of them? Um, well, I think about that. I think I think of there's a yin and a yang. Most artists are insecure in some way. <laughs> you would, I just heard Mary J. Blige say she didn't like her voice when she was younger. Who would have ever thought? But then, <laughs> and then there's the other side that there's just something that's just that they just have to do it that is within them, because um, I because I, I see a lot of people that can sing like three or four times better than me, but can't get a hit record. You know, I've seen people shoot themselves in the foot. You know, have it all going and just nasty attitude. You know, so um, the ones that make <laughs> the ones that make it kind of have this thing within them that they know this is where they're supposed to be, and they have a um, I don't want to say a niceness, but a, a, um, a good vibe about the whole situation. So then you would say... Because it's a lot more a lot more than just having a hit record. You know, you know traveling, talking to people, dealing with um, bad circumstances. Not every day is a good day, but everybody wants to say hi to you. So it takes a lot. Hello. Yeah, it takes a lot to deal with all that. That's very true. That was something that I was saying. I was like, it's not always about the talent. Yes, you need it mm-hmm. in order to do what you do. But there are so many other components that I notice that people uh, need to have on board for longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is definitely good people skills, interpersonal skills, uh, possibly good teamwork. Yeah. Uh, work ethic, Biz- good teamwork. Business skills. 
right? <laughs> business skills, vision, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's, there's a, if there's any other traits that you feel are really important for an artist to have in order to see success long-term and just in general, mm-hmm. throw those traits out there as well. Uh, I'm a big proponent of business skill, having an attorney. <laughs> I'd always, they always say that it's music business and it's like 90% business and 10% talent. So even, you know, like I met uh, Bindu at a conference, for longevity, you have to keep out there. You have to keep up what's going on. I, I, I suggest every conference you could go to online, in person, just to get the knowledge. And to the networking is so important. Just, you know, yeah. you never know who you're going to meet. You know, you might meet this person this year. They, two years later, he may call you and say, oh, you know what? I have something for you. And to, just to be patient, just to know, you know, keep, keep yourself out there and to be patient um, and getting every bit of knowledge you can get. And a good attorney. Don't sign nothing that said, oh, my cousin read it and said it's OK. Don't do it. Don't do it. Get some good legal representation. With you saying that, not to say that one of the challenges would be this, but what have been, or at least one, of your biggest challenges in the industry, and how did you navigate that? How did you handle it? Um, There's <laughs> a lot of challenges. I think, right. I think contracts was a big one that we were on that subject. Um, my first contract I was tied into basically for not a lifetime, but it was it was like six or seven albums, which you know was, was and I only I was only able to work with one set of people. Like I couldn't go venture out and work with anybody else. So I spent a lot of time trying to get out of that contract. Um, got out of that contract and got into another one, and the the label. Um, file for bankruptcy. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, wow. so then you get stuck in a contract with that until that's all cleared out. So so a lot of I had a lot of time sitting and waiting around. Um some people asked me what you know what happened, where did I go? I was under contract. I couldn't do anything. But so yeah. So but luckily at that time the music business started to change where the independent um labels came in. So I was able to just start writing for other people and um you know just just keeping up with what was going on in the DJ community and writing, you know, coming to Europe, finding my work there as opposed to America. Um, yeah. So that that I think that was the, really the big challenge. Is to I could have just sat down and said, you know what, forget it. You know, let me go sell real estate, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but you know, I love the music, so I think that was my biggest challenge. I was going through all those contracts, fighting for it, take it took up a lot of time out of my career. I think. But but now we're here, so I made it. Right, <laughs> we bless up. We were gonna ask you what you where you were, you know. Yeah. And so to hear you give us that clarity is like okay. What were you? Do you mind me asking? Mm. What were you doing uh, in the meantime? Were you still on the road performing? Uh, How were you maintaining? Yeah, as an artist, I've been on the road for thirty years. Let me tell you. <laughs> so I'm still working at everything, but as to recording mm. new stuff. You know, the contracts took so long. And then when we, by the time we got a new contract, it was the late 90s and the industry had changed. Dance music had went back underground. So right. that, that deal just just disappeared. But I just I just I kept touring. I kept writing. I kind of I have two two daughters. So, I you know, I raised my children. I think it was a perfect time. It was just before their teenage years. So I got to be at home during that time, um, you know. Good. 
So I, hindsight, you know, I think it was a good time for me to be home and watch them grow up until, you know, they went off to college. Music wise. I'll listen back to what you guys said about women in the industry. And, and I think it's very recognizable, really, any industry. The, the music industry isn't really the exception, unfortunately. And even in 2021, it's still a reality that women have to work harder at things. I think, yeah. I don't know how you guys uh, look at that, but... Yeah, I mean, especially in the dance music, it is a big boys club. You look at the DJs and the labels and they, you know, you see, you'll see one female <laughs> out of a hundred DJing, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, you know, the guys are just guys and it, I don't even, sometimes I don't think they do it on purpose sometimes. Sometimes they just don't even realize what's going on right in front of them. You have a festival mm. with, you know, 50 DJs and there's only one female. Somebody should wake up and say, Hey, <laughs> let's get a couple more girls. They're out there, you know, but it's like you said, you have to work harder for it. Why is it that women are so um, invisible even? I, I know there's girls out there that are DJs, but are they not getting the attention? Are women in general more modest or even shy to a certain extent? No, I think it's the promoters and um, the whole culture of the promoters and the, and the festivals. They're all guys, they're all men, or at least what I've encountered. <laughs> And I just don't think, I think someone needs to step up and say something about it. I know they've tried. I mean, even on my end, I just did a um, Baltimore House documentary. And, you know, trying to teach everyone that this EDM came from, you know, black music, from house music. And you see all these festivals and you don't see one black face. The guys who started this music can't even get a job, you know, overseas. You know, these guys are getting 100,000 and the DJs who started this music are just getting, you know, a couple thousand. So mm -hmm. there's disparities, you know, racial and, you know, gender that's going on that needs to be yeah. changed. Yeah, some of the young Europeans think don't even know it came from black music. You know, they think they invented it. Tell the truth. <laughs> that's what I was just mm -hmm. saying to Bindu. Um, you know, I was like, house music's been around. Yes. You know, this wasn't something that just popped on the scene at that time. This has been... In the 80s. And it got, yeah, the 80s, and exactly. We, we discussed how it got gentrified, just like um, rock and roll started out as black. And, you know, that's, it's, this happened to house music. So we're on a mission to make sure that everybody knows <laughs> where good. it came from. Yeah, Very good. good. I saw a quote, I think, a couple of days ago, and it said, simply said, there will be no music without black music. If you think about it. I think even the country category started out with a, a black guy won the first time and then it got taken over. So, wow. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. <laughs> Time's up, Jay. Just a little, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but we're doing it. That's the great yeah. thing. Podcast at a time. One podcast at a time. <laughs> Say it. We're doing our part. You bet. Music wise. I've heard you also say a couple of times. Um, the magic word, contracts. Mm, yeah. Oh, goody for Bindu. <laughs> oh, you missed that. You missed that part. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just special. I'm just looking at your face, and it just completely changed, Crystal, when I mentioned the word contracts. Yeah. Tell us about your experience with contracts, and especially your early contracts, and how 
you look at contracts now or how do you approach contracts now versus um, a long time ago? Okay, well, well, I kind of mentioned it before, but the um, <laughs> the first contract I got in was a very long contract and it was very, um, I could only work with the, the group of people, the Basement Boys. I could work with no one else and do no other music. And, you know, at wow. first I was just signed as a songwriter. I wasn't even supposed to sing these songs, but, you know, things changed. So it took me a long time to get out of that one. Well, to renegotiate that one, to get, you know, a little bit, I got a little bit further out. Then another, you know, another year came up. And each time we renegotiated, it took like three years because oh. the lawyers were just eating up time, thinking that's how they were going to win the case. Anyway, hindsight. <laughs> right, oh my goodness. And, and so the last time, by the time we even negotiated, um, the, the times had changed and the major labels were no longer back in music. So they dropped all of the house music artists. And then I got into another contract with um, Strictly Rhythm. And we're in the middle of doing an album and they wanted out of their deal with Warner. So they, they declared bankruptcy. So every artist that was signed to the label had to sit that was me, Barbara Tucker, Ultra, a couple other people. <laughs> and so that, I mean, my, my attorney found a way out of it. Luckily, I was, I, was, I was signed by my corporation and not myself. So we dissolved the corporation. Clever. Yes. <laughs> Clever attorney. Well done. <laughs> yes. So we, I did get out of that. But after that point, and that was like six years worth of sitting, um, I, I didn't want to do any more major labels. Um, I'm, I'm now a big fan of the 50-50 deal. I get to own my master. I get to own, you know, half of everything. Licensing, the money comes directly to me. I mean, now you have to do more to make more money. So it's, it's a big difference with that. But I think I'm not the only one in that boat. So <laughs> I think it's all working out. And um, so so those are the only kind of contracts I do. I, you know, I put other stipulations in. I'm sure Bindu knows. <laughs> but <Right>. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's where I'm at. And now I've got my own record label. So I think this year's going to be I'm going to try to release something for myself on my very own label and do it myself. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I want to I want to tackle something before we leave this. You said something that I think is really key that I think a lot of artists need to hear um, to to put yourself as an employee of your company. Mm. This way you d were able to dissolve your company mm. and you freed yourself up. Yeah. That I don't know if a lot of uh, artists know they might be getting individually paid. Yeah. You can get you can get a, a tax leap. Well, you also uh, get those tax Yeah, you also mm -hmm. don't if you set up an LLC, I'm not going to talk like I'm the expert here, but... <laughs> Me too. We're going to act like that. I'm going to this there. I'm just listening, it, guys. It, 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 it stops any lawsuits against you. It's like If something happens at a concert or a show, you know, they can't sue you personally. So that's one of the one of the other reasons why you, you want to set that up. Yes, that's huge, I think. And for write-offs and things like yes. that for your taxes. Everything, yeah. So you got write-offs, you guys. Uh, there's plenty of things that fall under the entertainment bracket, you know, as far as like if you buy makeup for the girls out there, yeah. <laughs> if you're, you're investing in, in any audio equipment, movies, entertainment, dinners with people, you know, for business travel, dinners. Travel expenses, yes. 
travel expenses. So if you establish a company, you get an LLC, there's other types of companies out there, S-Corp, C-Corp, definitely do your research so that you can protect yourself as an artist. I mean, even right now, we're talking about how the government is giving all this money away, this PPP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are finding a way around it. In North, but if you have a company, now they've expanded what the guidelines are, there's a possibility you could be in position to receive PPP right now, mm-hmm. which is support of your company. Or a small uh, business loan. Right. So there are several things that you can do um, to kind of protect and support yourself in that way. And just really quickly, I loved when, um, was it, Quentin Tarantino talked about having companies as a creative um, for each movie that he did. And this way, everything that happened with that particular movie was under that particular company. And he would dissolve each company after every project. And I was like, wow, what a smart thing to do. So that if anything happens, let's say on Jackie Brown that he created, you're not going to crumble his empire by suing the rest of everything he's been able to accomplish. You only can go with the production mm-hmm. of Bobby Brown. I was like, wow. That, I mean, Jackie yeah. Brown, powerful, powerful. <laughs> that is, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, it, yeah. and basically it's it's just some back up to our podcast mantra, which is musicians and creatives are businesses. So you need to start thinking of your musical endeavors and activities as a business. And of course, the next step is from being being an individual, incorporating that into a legal entity. And yeah, you guys summed it up perfectly. Liability reasons, tax and accounting reasons, what else would you want? You know, you have to protect yourself. We got approval from the attorney, Crystal. <laughs> <Yay>. Both <laughs> get a sticker. <laughs> Thank you. And you can so, go. You can go online and get incorporated for about five hundred dollars here in America. Corpnet dot dot com. I think it's the one. The easiest one. But um, disclaimer, always talk to your lawyer and your tax man <laughs> or woman and your accountant. That's right. That's uh, right. Music-wise. So, okay. Um, you spoke about being a songwriter first, mm-hmm. right? What does your creative process look like? Um, How do you get inspired? <laughs> um, my creative process Usually how how it works now is I I get a track. Someone will send me a track. I require the track to be in a songwriter format, which is basically a radio format, three and a half minutes. And I usually just get it from um, the music, whatever. I I like to walk around in circles, maybe clean (laughs) while I'm listening to the track. Mm -hmm. And I usually do the melodies first because I figure if the melody's right, um, the rest of it will be right. So I'll get the melody first and then then I go in for the lyrics. And that made, then I like to, I like to walk away. Even when I get the melody, I, I'll walk away from it for two days. Then if I come mm. back and if I hear it and it's still good, then I'll start with the lyrics. Not, then we try something else until the melody's right. But I'd like to, I like to leave it alone and then come back to see if it still sounds, you know, fresh. Cause I've done some of those um, workshop, songwriting workshops. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't see how, you know, the, the song is really never done. I don't see how you can write a song and be done in one day. You know, hmm. it's just not enough time for my mind to germinate. And, you know, maybe I don't like that word today, tomorrow. So, you know, I pick at it for at least a week or two. That's good advice, actually. Nice. And speaking of songwriting, um, I'm, I don't know if you discussed that in, in the part where I was uh, blacked out. But um, <laughs> speaking of songwriting and Gypsy Woman, that song 
has an, a very interesting story also. If you, of course, it's, it's, it's a house track and everybody knows it as, as the club track of the 90s. But if you listen to the lyrics... And I, I still often listen to to the song. So um, I hope that some of that streaming income is coming your way. <laughs> it may be um, pennies, but, but Ben is making her contribution. <laughs> my contribution. I'm doing my share, Crystal. <laughs> I really am. We're working on that. We're working on it. Okay. <laughs> but if... if if people would, would read the lyrics, they would be surprised what a deep message that song has. And I'm not sure if you can talk about it or what was the inspiration for the song? Because I don't know if it's an urban myth or if it's reality. <laughs> that there was a lady on the corner of a street of, of, in New York and she used to sing la da dee la da Close, you closed. That, <laughs> a little bit off. <laughs> Okay. That's how it goes with Urban Myths. <laughs> well, the song comes from, first of all, I was writing it, and all I had was la-da-dee, la-da-da, la-da-dee. And I didn't have any words that short to fit in la da You know, there's no words that short. So, because I really liked what I was doing there. Oh. So I said, you know what, there's somebody singing this melody. So I thought about um, this woman who was standing in front of um, this hotel in Washington, D.C., the Mayflower Hotel. And I would walk by her to go to see my sister. My sister did hair. And she was, stand, she was standing there with a full black on, full face of makeup, singing gospel songs, looking like nothing. You know, my attitude was like, she needs to go get a job. There's nothing wrong with her. Why is she standing there ask, bugging people for money? She needs, you know, I had this nasty attitude. And then eventually the city paper wrote an article about her and told the story about how she had just lost her job in retail and went from having this to nothing overnight and how she felt if she was going to go ask people for money that she should look respectable and decent. And it was her mm. way of being respectful for other people. So that whole article just changed my whole attitude about homelessness and how it could happen to anybody. And it really just stuck with me. You have to realize in the late 80s, um, it was it was really homelessness was really bad here in DC. AIDS was coming through. It was really a desperate time. Yeah. So, and I was at Howard University, and we were, you know, <laughs> we were always on the march. Um, yeah. So it was about her. So the whole thing is, she woke up early every morning just to do her hair, and that was about her wanting to look good before she went out and started asking for money and wow. all that. She's just like you and me, but she's wow. homeless. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I still, I've, I've heard those lyrics for the last 30 years, of course, <laughs> but it's, but they still hit home. I, I, the, the message still has that message of dignity yeah. for everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that song got out. I, you know, I've tried to write other songs about other topics and people are like, oh, you can't sing about that. You can't talk about it. I said, well, I'm glad you were with me when I wrote Gypsy Woman because <laughs> that song would have never saw the light of day. So, you know. yeah. It has That's powerful. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sat on me differently today. Yeah. You know, yeah. made me go back and listen <laughs> to it from a whole other perspective. Yes. It's a, yes. There's some lyrics in it that I even forget because it's been mixed so much. Because <laughs> the song, the original song is very long, but now it's, it's chopped down to the little radio size. But yeah. What stuff. do you feel about? Pe- oh, go ahead. Forgive me. I just said it's a good song. 
It is a good song. <laughs> it sure is. Just a good song. Okay. Okay. Speaking of it being mixed so much, what about the remixes and the people who sing uh, your song and, you know, over the years? I say, I say, thank God. Um, <laughs> Gypsy Woman, she has a life of her own. I just check in because um, the last, um, the last big one, we got that cool sampled it. And it's been streamed over, I think it's 80 million now, Tom. So, oh my yeah. Gosh. So, so it's nice. <laughs> I am not complaining. And Clean Bandit just did it. They're doing very well with it. So, who would have thought 30 years later that it would be, it gets every, it's at least two, three times a year we get it approved. So, wow. Yeah. That's great. Do yeah. you still see um, good royalties? Yes. Uh, good. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, she's doing, Gypsy's doing very well. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but when you when you wrote that song and you were finished and you ha- had it sit for a little mm-hmm. bit, did you did you know or did you instinctively feel that this one is special? Oh, I didn't know. I went from writing songs, like I said, when I started, I wanted to be the next yard day. So I was writing like smooth jazz types songs. Ooh, interesting. So when the Basement Boys asked me to, they loved my songwriting and asked me if I could put it over these dance beats, which is basically like a jazz vocal. And I said, long as I can keep my, you know, what I do, that's what we want. We want you to do the lyrics, all that kind of stuff that you do. Because it wasn't just raise your hands in the air. You know, I was talking about stuff. So I said, all right, I'll do it. And um, it got signed. Well, first, someone else was supposed to sing it. And then they decided, no, you sound better on it. And it sat, it sat, it got signed for three years, I think it, I, I sat, but I was happy I was signed <laughs> to a record labor, label. So I had no, and they were still shopping my Charday stuff. So I, I just thought the Charday stuff was going to go off. But here we are 30 years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that song just gets, um, and I think that's, but correct me if I'm wrong, but from the listeners, and from my perspective, that song has like a very unique flavor of house flavors and then your own jazzy R&B-ish vocal. Mm. And that wasn't done before at the time. That that specific sound, mm-hmm. that was unique, at least. And and also not obvious. Yeah, that's what I've been talking Most of it, I think, was a lot of gospel vocals that was mm. being done at the time. And um, I'm, I'm not a gospel singer. <laughs> So, you know, my father was a jazz musician, so I grew up in that that side of the town. Yes, Bindu was telling me that you have an exceptionally talented family. Yes, my great aunt was Ethel Waters, um, famous Cotton Club singer, actress, Cabin in the Sky. She did several movies. Um, She has, I think she she was the first black woman to have a number one international hit record. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, I don't have a picture up here for her, but we look very much alike. (laughs) Uh, wow. She yes, did a she, lot yes, of do. stuff back in the 40s. And my father was a jazz musician his whole life. I toured with him every summer. I say I've been on the road since I was eight. <laughs> my brother Dope. was a musician. My sister sang. My uncle was Zach Zachary. Oh, you should know from the sound of Philadelphia, the lead saxophonist. Wow. Yeah. Touch me in the morning, all those, all those yes. leads. Soul train. So I got to I got to get backstage at a lot of lot of <laughs> a lot of clubs and stuff. So yeah, so it's been it's been quite a ride. 
Oh, my goodness. You have an extensive powerful music background. <laughs> yeah. My mom was friends with Gamble and Huff. I grew up in South Jersey. I don't know if you know. <laughs> right across the bridge. Honey, I love it. <laughs> right across the bridge. So, yeah. Wow. Music was. Okay, I'm going to swerve a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, how are you? Well, two twofold question. Do you have a morning and or evening routine just to keep some measure of structure or discipline mm-hmm. in your life? And then how are you maintaining or have you maintained your mental health over the years, you know, being <laughs> in this industry in particular? Uh, well, I, I think it's because of my morning routine, which has grown since I'm able to stay home. You know, usually I'm home for a couple of days and repacking the suitcase, getting my hair done, <laughs> you know, always rushing around to look good for yes. the stage. Um but now I have a morning routine. I have a, a meditation practice that's grown to about an hour. Um, nice. And then I do I do my vocal my vocal warm vocal exercises, warm ups. I'm not singing anywhere. <laughs> for about, we gotta keep them warm for something. <laughs> uh, I do that for thirty minutes. I have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday exercise routine. That I do what I I tell you what I do. I don't answer any phone calls or do any emails before noon. The morning is for me. And people's, my phone is on Do Not Disturb until like 11.05, just in case (laughs) I might need someone overseas is trying to get me. And I just make sure the morning is for me. You know, my breakfast, I try to get out in the sun as much as possible. I think that's important. Um, So that's really my morning routine. Nice. And depending on the day's work. And then in the evening, I try to get a second 15-minute meditation in. I don't always do it, but some days it's needed. Yes. Good (laughs) stuff. Yeah, you got to take that time, especially from all the electronics. You know, my eyes staring at this computer all day. I just have to get up and be like, shut it down. It's enough, you know? Hello. Yes. So That's really good. Did you learn that double meditation from something called, well, I know that there's something I know of called Vedic meditation. Did you learn it from some particular modality or? Um... I wouldn't say it's a modality. I'm, I'm a, mm-hmm. I follow people like um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, mm, Greg Braden, and folks like that. I'm actually now in the middle of the Course in Miracles. Have you? Oh yes, yes. yes. So that's that's you have to do that six times a day. <laughs> yeah. So, but those are only two minute ones. But yeah, so I'm, I I try to switch it up because you get you know the kids sitting just still, not you know stopping your thoughts don't always work. That works in the morning, but in the afternoon I try to do something a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, love it. That's really okay. good. That's actually also a very good tip to block your morning and not take any yeah. calls because then you're truly powerful in control and you and and you're not living according Someone to somebody else's, else's agenda. Exactly. So good, Crystal. Because I didn't have my phone on yesterday morning. I swear, everybody tell you text me. Everybody tell like, wait, <laughs> Sorry I'm about not that. ready. It's not noon. <laughs> I won't do it anymore now that I know. <laughs> so yeah, I have to. So it'll, it'll, I'll just start off off if I don't if I don't do that time for myself. I just feel off, and I feel like I'm doing it. You know, after the last thirty years, I was always doing something for somebody else, making the promoter happy, making the producer happy, making the label happy. You know, and after a while, you know, you get drained and get sucked out of you. You know, so yeah. Yeah, and then in the end, when there's a time to make Crystal happy. Yeah, so I, right. I, somewhere along the line, I decided not before noon. 
I heard that. And it, everybody seems to be fine. <laughs> Say the truth, okay? It's like nothing's falling apart. Nothing's Let falling me take apart. this time. Yeah, and I'm a happier person. Yes, I like it. Music wise. I want, we want to have, let's have some fun with you right now, Crystal. Uh-oh. <laughs> we said fun. Okay. <laughs> if no you need were, to worry. I know, yes. right? Okay. If you were to host a dinner party for six people, who would you invite, alive or passed on? I want to call out copyright infringement on this question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are sampling, <laughs> and I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> We want to know. Claim dismissed. Come on now. Six, huh? Six people alive or passed on. We are. Come on. You can do better than this. All right. Um, Six people. This is COVID. I would like my two daughters, Mm. (laughs) my grandson, Mm. my sister, my mom, and who else is. All my friends and family right now, I just can't wait till we get back together. If you're asking me about someone famous, um, I would like to go talk to people like Greg Braden, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, Mm, mm. uh, folks like that. I want to know what they know. So yeah. Okay, you because you dropping some names on people. They might know not know who you're talking about. Yeah. So Bruce Lipton. I mean the the what is it the the uh, biology of perception or something like yeah, that. Yeah, heart and, and mind heart and mind um, coordination and heart math institute. It's all spiritual stuff, but yes. it's science explaining how, why and how spirituality works. Give us three basically. more names because you're dropping some goodies here. <laughs> I heard, Joe, I didn't know George something. Joe, Joe Dispenza. I, Joe Dispenza, Joe I know, but Dispenza. George, um, what was Bruce, the George uh, name? Greg Braden. Greg. Greg you don't know Braden. Greg Braden? No, who's Greg Braden? Oh, wow, you have to look him up. He's in the, he's just like the other two, but he, he, all, he also went back and found some of the uh, missing... Um, are they chapters in the Bible? Just missing the things that they edited out of the Bible. Um, he has a he has a he has a good history of spiritual practice. He's gone up to the mountains and done the meditations with the monks and learned oh, all that. Oh wow! But um, you can find them all on Gaia.com. You know oh, the, okay, the yeah, um, yeah. TV. It's all it's a spirituality. Um, I guess it's an app or website of TV shows. Okay, awesome. Matisse De Stefano. You might want to look up. Oh, Mateus, Mateus de Stefano. Okay. He's interesting. Okay. (laughs) I love it. Side, side track. (laughs) Two more, two more, Crystal, that you would have at the dinner table. Because you gave me four. uh, I would do Oprah. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of a musician. My favorite artist was Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so maybe her too. I just, my, I was with my father when on the road and I saw he had was um, jazz albums. And Ella was always the only one that had like the up-tempo ones. <laughs> so I'd always play her stuff. And I always used to love, she just always sounded like she was smiling even when she was sad. And, you know, I guess she was someone I could imitate as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Love it. Your table is, Dope. <laughs> it's interesting, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would have nothing to say at the table if it's like, what? <laughs> I feel you. 
It would give some very interesting conversations for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, Ben, do you want to ask Crystal yes. something um, kind of cool? Yeah. Uh, what is the best advice that you ever got from somebody about the music industry? Ooh, I got two. One person just told me the same from my heart. Don't worry about the notes or anything else. People will, will attach to how you're feeling. And I teach that to my dancers on stage. You know, it's, it's not about um, them looking at you, saying how pretty you are, how good you look. It's, you came there to entertain them, and they're following your lead. So, you know, you have a certain stance when you get on stage that you are projecting this joy out to, to the um, audience. And the other one was... Um, um, Ed, Ed, Ed Eckstein, you know, he was he was the um, president of Mercury Records. He was the son of the older Eckstein. I can't think of his name, the singer. Um, he told me that I needed to create two crystal waters, that I couldn't take the famous one home to my children. Mm. And it would say it would keep me sane. So I was crystal waters when I was out in the public. And I have I have a button on my back that I push. I get people to push. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then when you come home, you are you have your family because your kids don't care about who you're famous, you know all that stuff. And you have your friends, your family. You keep them important in that circle and that one group of people that has your back. Nice. Yeah, that's good. So that's the two I got. That's really good. Yeah, famous. Uh, famous, such an interesting mm. thing, huh? Yeah, because fame is something else. I, I'm not a big. I didn't enjoy it. So I know some people who love it can't get enough of it, but um, it really helped me keep, you know, sane. Yeah, I can imagine. What didn't you like about it, Crystal? Because um, I think I'm a natu- I'm a shy, I'm, I'm not as introvert as I used to be, but <laughs> back then, um, I wanted to be known for the writing, for the songs, and not for the way I looked. I don't know, I was just very uncomfortable with people recognizing me. You know, you go from being able to walk to the mall and, pick up some ice cream or whatever to not, you know, people staring and whispering at you as you're walking by. Right. That that kind of stuff I didn't I didn't care for. Mm. That's what's up. Okay. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Bindo, did you have anything mm-hmm. else before we we let Crystal get back to life in a whole other way? No, there's so much to think about and yeah. things that you've said already. <laughs> I need to do homework. But I won't okay. text you before <laughs> before noon. <laughs> I, I, I'm so I grateful that. for the things that you suggested today, the names you just yes. gave me, because I'm I'd go down that rabbit hole as well. Uh, you know, when yeah. it talks about perception and the biology of belief or um, love mm-hmm. or you know the the course in miracles. I mean, you've dropped some gems in here that yeah. I don't know if people really know what you're you're yeah. talking about, but it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been going down this. I've been doing it. It's the, I believe it's the reason why, you know, I got successful because I was doing all the law of attraction stuff and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you got to keep going and keep after it. So I always look for new stuff, new people, new ideas. So I hope y'all are hearing this legend speak <laughs> because even though she has gone through some challenges, this is how she has afforded herself longevity. And that's huge. I don't know if people um, know that it's really not just about the talent. It's, it is so much yeah. more that's surrounding the it's talent. It's so much more. Your beliefs and your ideals have to all come together for it all to work. That's right. 
So, Bindu, I'm going to um, just say thank you to Crystal. And of course, you, if you want to add something to this, please do. But Crystal, thank you so much for uh, coming on today, sharing your wisdom, uh, taking us down memory lane from your perspective, of course, mm-hmm. dropping these jewels of names. <laughs> and <laughs> Jewels books. and receipts. <laughs> jewels, jewels and receipts. I like that. And um, if you guys, you know, go back and listen to some of the things that she said, because I'm even going to go check out um, Greg Braden. I hadn't heard of uh, and Mateus Stefano. I mean, these are names that I haven't heard of yet that I'm going to be diving into. So I appreciate you. And I know Bindu does yeah, as okay. well. Yes, exactly. Right. I, I am. I am. I'm just sitting here amazed. I mean, we've, we've talked before, but if, if I hear everything that you've said today, um, congratulations, and especially not on your achievements, but on the person who you have become. Oh, thank you. It's been a journey. <laughs> I guess we're all no, on it. Right. <laughs> I have to tell mine, I guess. <laughs> How can we support yeah. you moving forward? Where do you want people to go or what do you want them to know? Um, um, follow me on Instagram. I don't do Facebook. Too many algorithms. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a podcast. Um, um, I have a podcast on iTunes and, and Android and Google. I'm also on Sirius XM channel 141, Saturday and Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nice. I am House Radio. Um, what else do I have? I have my record label. Um, I am House Records. <laughs> And we, I took a little break because the mood wasn't just right to release music, but starting in March, we're going to start, start releasing some of my stuff and other artists. I really like working with the other artists and, you know, being a mentor. So I'm having fun with that. Beautiful. And for any of you guys out there who, who's into skincare, I have a skincare line called Boyface at boyfaceme.com. <laughs> what an interesting name. What made you name it Boyface. It's a club term. I mean, I, oh, you know, okay. I have boy face and girl face. Yeah, how <laughs> you cute. know your your sister your sister face. So <laughs> got it. So I started out with men. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that conversation, but I started out with men, <laughs> with the men's skincare line first, and I, I I plan on going to girl face next. Love it. Congratulations yeah. on all your success and just continuing to flower into this beautiful human. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes. Until next time. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Time, time and time again, watching all the trends, trying to make a way around.